You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Well, well, well. If it is not my favorite listeners in the entire world, this is the Pimp Cron. This is the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, and this is also episode three. Can you believe we've made it to this landmark episode? Why I think back to when it all first began days ago, I guess about 11 days ago, and the world will never be the same, honestly. Let's let's just all admit that, that our lives have all changed for the better, and you are happy to be on this wild ride with me. And I got to tell you, I am thrilled to be on this wild ride because it's actually been quite a bit of fun. It's similar to blogging, but it's still quite different. And I have really gotten a big kick out of it. And so have the people that have been on my show. So please remember to send me any feedback that you would like, things that you would like to see, things that you hate about the show, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all of my contact information is in the show notes, which is pimpcron.gmail.com. We have a phone number. We have our Facebook page, Pimpcron on Facebook, and, you know, get in contact with us. Uh, come ring our bell. So tonight, episode three, we have a lot to cover. We've got the Glaive Wraith Stalkers, which are pretty cool for Age of Sigmar. We also will be discussing rules for fighting in space. And I'm not talking about Battlefleet Gothic. I'm talking about actually fighting in space, because supposedly the Space Marines can do that sort of thing. And they're protected by, you know, their suit and whatnot. Um, and you would just make up whatever nonsense you want for the other armies to make sense. They could do that. I mean, Tyranids could probably withstand the vacuum of space and probably Necrons as well. Maybe even Mechanicus. Who knows? But anyway, and the next thing we'll be talking about is how to speed up your game of Warhammer, which is pretty important to most of us. And also, of course, we have our... Uh, segment about brutality, which I always enjoy. That's my baby. And finally, I answer some fan mail that gets pretty uncomfortable with my wife. So stick around and listen to what we what we be yapping about. And why don't you join me in getting this show on the road? Let's open the Tesseract Mailbox. And now it is time for another letter from an adoring fan, and I love you all so much. Today, I figured it would be fun to have a partner in this, somebody that may take a vested interest in the answer to this question. And I will have my wonderful wife, Mandy. Hi. Hi. Uh, my wonderful wife, Mandy, will read this letter, and we will discuss it. Okay, this one is from Nelson XX5. He says, I guess it's a he, I'm sorry. Um, Hiya, Pimpcron. How much have you spent in this hobby? I have about 8,000 points of Space Wolves and estimated at about $4,000. $4,000? That may not be accurate. Um, especially for the sake of our marriage, that may not be accurate. Um, no, I'm kidding. Really, it's hard to say because, um, number one, if he has 8,000 points of Space Wolves, he's probably been playing for quite some time. And, well, models were cheaper back then, but 
uh, like the get it get starting or start collecting boxes are actually pretty good deals. They're like 30% off or something now. But that used they didn't used to be around. No, they didn't used to be around. Which so. means all the models that you have, you didn't get in those discounted boxes, right? No, but you know exactly how I got most of my stuff. Um, <laughs> most of my stuff, I used to um, participate as one of those uh, skeevy people on eBay that would buy huge lots and then break them down and sell them into smaller components. And whatever I, I broke free or I, I broke even, I would just keep the rest of it. So, and you know that. I yeah. did that for years. That was so, the only reason I didn't kill you with the hobby. Basically, yeah. yeah. So I got, um, specifically, I got a huge portion of my Orc army and a huge portion of my Tyranid army for literally free. Um, and of course, you know, buying from other players. Mm -hmm. and, and trades. Um, you did a lot of trades. And a lot of trading um, with friends and whatnot. So... Um, I have not, the vast majority of the things that I've bought have not been retail, but let's go through with how many armies I have. You count for me. Okay. Okay. I'll count. All right. Primaris Marines, Necrons, Space Wolves, Chaos Marines, Demons, Dark Eldar, Orcs, Guard, Tyranids, um, trying to think. And how much are the um, storage container things for each of these? Uh, about a hundred bucks each. Okay. So. But hold on a second. Um, I think that's it. That's nine. Oh, Gene Steeler Call. So I have 10, 10 40K armies. And now count for me for Age of Sigmar. I have Empire. I have Stormcast. I have Vampire Counts. I have Lizardmen. And don't look at me. <laughs> I didn't um, know you had this many armies to you, begin with. You, uh, you vaguely know. I bet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know you're not getting yourself in um, uh, in a good place by mm. having me read this article no. and you telling me the complete truth behind all this. That's true. Yeah. So um, you, you currently have four on top of your ten. Four AOS armies. I feel like I've got another one, though. Oh, uh, the the corn. I have a chaos army for AOS. So how many was that? Five. Okay, so I've got ten forty k armies, and I have five Age of Sigmar armies. Um, it doesn't quite count because the Lizardmen and the Demons army is the same models. So okay. that's really only one. So I don't have fifteen armies. I have fourteen armies because, long story short, Lizardmen's a custom army for me in forty k, and I use Demon rules for it. So I'll just go that far with it. So none of my armies are less than 2,000 points. And my Necrons are probably like 6,000 points. Um, so that's 14 times 2,000 points is 28,000 points at least. We, I would guess, okay, how, this is a hard thing to answer. 30... 8,000 points is what I will just guess that I have. Maybe 35,000 points of stuff. Is that enough to pay off our mortgage? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> um, no, it's not going to get us anywhere, then it's all good. Yeah, see, you're not missing it. That's that's the Remember those couple times the kids went without eating? Yeah. Well, that's where that went, but oh. they're still fine. Yeah, they're, they're, fine. they're fine. They're growing well. Yeah, you don't want them fat anyway. So <laughs> You're a horrible person. <laughs> uh... uh 
so, man, that is hard. So given the, okay, just your estimate of 8,000 points and it was $4,000, I don't know how accurate that is, but if I have, so basically we're saying 14,000 points. I have $14,000. It would be the retail equivalent of that. Now, um, my orcs I got for um, a couple eBay snags were awesome. I got for $300, remember I told you back then, it was literally like $1,100 worth of orcs. And I, I got them for 300 on eBay, which is like, they always talk about, oh, these, you know, great eBay deals, and they seem like they're harder and harder to find, but that one was a freaking awesome deal. So that is a pretty huge, I mean, that $1,100 worth of orcs that I got is probably half of my army, maybe more. Like, I, I still have stuff in drawers that I broke even and just stopped putting stuff in my army and painting it. So enough bragging. I really don't mean to be bragging, but I'm just, I guess I will say that retail, I have $14,000 worth of armies. And then the army transports for each one of them is $100. And mm -hmm. some of them have two, like my Necrons and my Orcs are two transports. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I'm going to get a car for Christmas, right? No. Oh. You're not. Unless it has, no, you're not. Just not. <laughs> so, <laughs> I hear some new GW releases are coming out soon. So no, that's no new car for you. I'm sorry. You forgot about all your books too, but those don't have points, right? And all the books. You're right. That's yeah. a lot of books. And all those, they're $50. At one point they were 60 and now they're like 30 ish. Okay. Um, but you know, they keep, they keep, um, not being worth anything. Whenever they come out with a new book, it's like, oh, now you've got a stack of paper that's bound. It's like the old Sears catalogs they used to use in the uh, the Porta Johns or whatever out back. Wasn't that Sears or JCPenney ca big catalogs? Yeah, they that's what we'll start using them for. You, you could, you know, when I cleaned out my game room a year or two ago, I literally just threw all of them away. Like you're, you're making people cry, I'm sure at this point. Well, I mean, they're pointless. Once uh, you have, code, yeah, it hurt me too. It did. It hurt me too. But what are you gonna do? I actually thought I don't know if I mentioned this to you at the time or not, but using it as gift wrap paper. No, yeah, like remember tear that. out the pages. I mean, they're and... nice pictures. Yeah, they are. Mm. So. so anyway, I think we went off topic. I think we did. All right. Thanks for writing in, Nelson XX5. Want that or want that not? Hey, kids. It's now time for Want That or Want That Not with the Pimpcron. And today I will be covering the Age of Sigmar model or set of models that are just coming out for Night Haunt. And I know that we often cover Age of Sigmar models, but currently that's where we're at in the rotation of production for Games Workshop, apparently. So, you may or may not know, I'm a huge Night Haunt fan. I really like them. I have a Night Haunt army, etc., etc., with all four models that were part of it. And I think it's really awesome that we're getting new models. Um, today I will be covering the Glaive Wraiths which I have a real hard time saying, the Glaive Wraiths, and that is pronounced Glaive Wraith Stalkers. The Glaive Wraiths. Gosh, I have such a struggle with that. So I have had to practice this word, Glaive Wraith, so many times, it's not even funny. And English is my first language. If you can say Glaive Wraith is an English word, I'm not certain. But I personally opt to call these the scoliosis ghosts. Uh, no, scoliosed ghost bird. 
scoliosis ghost bird. There we are. There, there we go. Scoliosis ghost bird. And maybe that's just as hard to say as glaive wraith. But the point is, is these are pretty neat little models. Um, they come with big knives or halberds or whatever you want to call them. Uh, one guy's got a bucket of KFC with a drumstick. Um, I can only assume that he, man, that's morbid, isn't it? So you've got these bird people and he's literally holding a, a freaking drumstick and a bucket of KFC. And they're bird people. I don't know. It's like feeding a pig ham or something. It just doesn't seem right. But do I like these or do I not? Well, number one, the poses are pretty neat. I don't know about the poor posture. I'm not certain about that. But the bird skulls are quite creepy. And um, I think it's interesting. And I guess it's a good thing that we're getting away from uh, just ghostly things. And now all these new ghosts happen to have like, you know, uh, halberds or bird skulls or a bucket of chicken or whatever they're equipped with and you know what is adorable i never noticed this before until just now when i'm talking one of these glaive wraiths have a baby blackbird or i guess it's just a regular blackbird on its base and it too has a bird skull you know i was really on the fence about this being Want that or want that not for me, but I think I just made my decision. Anyway, I'll get to that in a minute. So, apparently, Night Haunt now, they can't just be dead people. They have to be dead birds, apparently. Or they have to have died from some, for some reason. Um, I had read about some of their troops had died for a particular reason, and that's why they are ghosts now, trying to atone or trying to do whatever they feel like doing because they're ghosts. I can only assume... That, you know, how our parents tell us all these wives' tales that, you know, if you uh, don't eat your vegetables, you know, your dead uncle's going to come haunt you or something. I know that was in my family. But um, I feel like maybe there was some truth to some of these wives' tales. Because this appears to me like the ghosts of the children who slouched in class. I honestly think that's it. And the bird skulls are a little hard to explain, but uh, I can only assume that is also a byproduct of slouching. So maybe when you slouch a lot in life, you get a bird skull in death? I don't know. That being said, I can't help but think that we're going to see a new release for Night Haunt that is maybe some teenage ghosts with hairy palms, or uh, I can't even imagine what kind of ranged combat <laughs> weapons they're going to have. <laughs> It's ectoplasm. I assure you, it is ectoplasm. Uh, so, hey, that's good news, though. Night Haunt is finally getting some ranged units. Am I digging this look? Yeah, it, it's, I mean, it doesn't, it's not really doing anything for me, but it's, it's unique, at least. I haven't seen anything like this from any other game or any other uh, manufacturer. And uh, bird skulls, I gotta admit, are pretty freaking creepy. Like, um... You know, the bird skull that was on uh, uh, a lot of the Mordheim books and things like that. It's Bird skulls are just creepy. I don't know. Um, unless these aren't bird skulls, and then you can correct me in the comments. But uh, I do like these. I think some of the design choices were a little odd, but their bases are really cool. And I like how GW is going through great lengths to going to great lengths to make these things look like they're floating and that they aren't on a base. I'm glad... Everything in these new lines aren't just clear plastic. And 
Uh, their bases are pretty cool. They all have scenic bases, which is really neat. But that, I got to tell you, that blackbird on that base, which I just noticed, is freaking adorable. So I think this is absolutely a want that for me. Not only did I want it before, but I was kind of on the fence because the, I don't know, the poor posture and whatnot. It's just kind of weird. But that baby bird just sold it. So GW, that baby bird needs a raise. I'm going to buy a box of this for that blackbird that is... Literally a regular blackbird, except it has a skull for a head. And why does that tickle me the way it does? I have no idea, but it really does. I want an army of those baby birds. I will go hunting on eBay and try to find that's just adorable. So I would definitely say that I want this and that these look neat. I haven't even looked at the rolls for them. And other than that, they're neat designs. And I do want that. Now, here's an idea. This segment of, well, here's an idea, is brought to you today by just me, the Pimpcron, the ever-loving blue-eyed Pimpcron. I'm just sitting here quietly in the studio, completely naked, which is how I record even when I have a guest. And for those of you who may want to, may have wanted to know that, then you know that now. For those of you who did not want to know that, guess what? You can't unknow it. So, let's get to the topic at hand. I have always enjoyed the idea that space marines can fight underwater, they can fight in space, like in the vacuum of space, I mean, and that their suit protects them, and I always thought that was super badass. So there are apparently are stories about like the Tau fighting space marines under the water and, and whatnot. Sounds mildly racist because they're fish people, but whatever. Um, so I always thought it'd be really neat to do that. And this is how I would handle it. Number one, you need some sort of terrain that will hopefully fit the bill for your space battle. And I would start off with buying some black cloth from, let's say, Hobby Lobby or Walmart or some other cloth place. Or if you have a single-sided gaming mat like GameMat.eu provides, they are black on the other side. So you just flip over that mat and suddenly you are in space. So you then you need something to fight on. And I would suggest... If you have any terrain that looks vaguely like a space station or floating debris, that would look pretty neat on the quote-unquote battlefield. But I also really, really like the idea of fighting in an asteroid belt. How awesome would that be? Two forces clashing, uh, two forces I'm assuming that have power armor or something suitable that they can withstand the vacuum of space. And they are hopping from rock to rock jumping at each other, shooting in space, all of that, that would be pretty cool. Now, as far as the rules go, how I would implement space battles is that I would probably uh, extend the range of their movement quite a bit. So what I'm thinking of is probably just doubling everybody's movement. So that it applies for vehicles, which is kind of irrelevant if you're flyers or whatnot, but it also applies for infantry. So your regular infantry that might move 6 inches suddenly move 12 inches. And your um, jump pack infantry suddenly move up to 24 inches because, you know, the momentum and everything from their movement would continue to carry them. That would be pretty sweet. I would also say that because there's no air to slow down bullets or projectiles, that all 
weapons should probably have an extension to their range. Now, it depends on what armies you're playing, how much you want to do that by, but you very well may just want to double that as well and just make it ultra, ultra killy. And that would be pretty interesting to me as well, because suddenly your bolt gun is a 48-inch bolt gun. Like, that is freaking awesome. Rapid fire one, and suddenly you're rapid firing at 24 inches. So this would become very deadly very quick. Something else that I really like is that any time that you would roll to wound on a model, there's a chance that you puncture their armor and they die from the vacuum of space, not necessarily the actual um, wound inflicted. So now, of course, I don't know exactly the lore behind can a, a naked space marine survive in space. I would seriously doubt that. But knowing how ridiculous the lore is for space marines to begin with, you know, who knows? Maybe they've got a a vacuinoid gland that soaks up all vacuum near them and keeps them warm. I don't know what I'm saying, but you get the point. So basically, any melee or ranged attacks that roll to wound against somebody, if they roll a 6 to wound, it just deals a wound that ignores armor saves, basically like Rending Claws, like a minus 4 AP on the roll of 6. So that also makes things extremely interesting, because things like Terminator armor are, you know, pretty hella durable, generally, but suddenly on a six, you know, he starts getting sucked out into space through a pinhole in his armor, and I just really, really like that idea, so. I would extend the range of their movement, I would extend the range of their weapons range, and I would give all attacks rending, the old rending, like Space uh, space Marine Scout rifles or rending claws used to have, where they basically just ignored armor. You still get your invol saves against that, though. And I would also extend the charge range. So instead of 2d6, it is 3d6. And I think that would just... So your ranged units are becoming more killy. Your melee units are becoming more killy. Everybody can shoot as far as the eye can see, and everybody is super mobile, but has the drawback of potentially taking mortal wounds just, you know, on the lucky roll to wound. I also like the idea of the lucky roll to wound of a six against vehicles because, I mean, you could explain it any way that you want to, like the vacuum of space, you know, you puncture the shell of the vehicle and the vacuum of space sucked out some sort of something that was important for to the vehicle, which of course would cause the mortal wound. Or you could say that, you know, hydraulics freeze up or whatever that's basically degrading the vehicle. So that is very interesting to me. What this ends up being is an extreme high octane fight. And which I honestly think it would be with no friction and no resistance in space. And you can see, you know, really far. And the bullets are not going to slow down at all. I just think this is a really neat idea. And this could really blow your game out of the water as far as a completely unique and interesting experience. I hope you like it. And I really hope you try it. Honey, the dishwasher's acting up again. Not again. I guess I'll have to work on it. No, not this time. My friend Janice just told me that joining the Pimpron Dynasty on Patreon fixed her hot water heater in only 30 minutes. 
Simply go to Patreon and pledge money to the almighty Cron, and all your plumbing troubles will disappear. Pledge to Pimpcron when you're at your home, but if it's plumbing trouble, then you're on your own. Support the Pimpcron! Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. And we're back. So thank you for listening to our podcast. This is the Pimpcron, and I'm joined here today by my bestest friend in the whole wide county, Just James. I don't really like you that much. <laughs> I don't like me, Just James. I don't like me. And today our topic is cutting time off of your Warhammer games, or you could call it speed gaming for Warhammer. Shortening it up. Shorting it up. Circumcising your Warhammer game. Trimming the fat. <laughs> Trimming the fat. So we have 10 points, and um, we think this will help you speed up your game. Now, we play in a game club that meets on Wednesday nights at the local game store, and we usually don't even get our game started till when? Like uh, 5.36, yeah. around there. And um, we're pretty much done, like, what, 9? Nine? <laughs> 9. Yeah, so we're um we're kind of old hats at um uh figuring out how to play quickly. So let's just jump right in. Number one, what would that be, just James? It would be pre-make your lists when you're at home, or when you're waiting on people to arrive. Have your list ready. And that would be either two thousand. Honestly, I would suggest making a two thousand point, an eighteen fifty point, yes. a fifteen hundred point, yeah, a thousand. All the basic. Yeah, all those. Yeah. And um, that will save a lot of time, because how many times have you said, oh, yeah, I'll play you, and then you wait 20 minutes for the person to make a list? Oh, yeah. Especially uh, the newer players, you know, it takes them a time to get stuff going. So you, if you have your stuff already pre-made, then it's less time that you have to wait for them. And um, I have Battlescribe on my cell phone, and I swear it is not that much faster than just looking at the book. No, not really. Oh, you have it, too? Yeah, I have it. Yeah. Uh, most people do. So we would definitely suggest pre-making your list before you even show up, or if you know you're going to be early, make sure you have those lists ready. Number two is you should start making matchups as soon as everybody gets there, or in our case, we know who's going to be there each night, and um, we will set up matches as soon as we get there. So as soon as people roll in, they can start their games. Yeah. Um, if we did not do that, then what would happen? Uh, people just standing around, looking at each other, talking. Not about Warhammer, not about getting games set up, but just talking. It's like they're cultivating friendships or something. Screw yeah, them. No, that's not worth it. This is not about friendships. So um, that is a huge time waster, so do not fall um, to that. Next up on the list is number three. What would that be, Just James? Uh, roll for mission and deployment while they are busy making their lists. So if they're not as cool as you and don't have a pre-made list, the 20 minutes that you're waiting for them to make a list, <laughs> go That's ahead. That's a lot of time. Yeah. Um, go ahead and roll for the mission and deployment. And how would you do this so that it's fair and open and clear? You would roll the dice right in front of them so that they would you know, shout out the number, yell it to the whole world if you have to. Declare it to the world. Even tweet it. You know, tweet, tweet it. Hey, I got a three. Posted on Facebook, if anybody still goes on there. Get a tattoo of it. <laughs> <laughs> Number four is um, one person sets up all the terrain, while the other one chooses the side at the end. So 
the reason for this would be that um, whoever has a few minutes to spare, you throw all the terrain out there in the way that you want it, but you're not going to skew it in your favor because you don't know what side you're going to be on because the yes. other person gets, I guess, to choose. So um, we've done that for years. Um, do you remember when you're supposed to cover like a quarter of the board? Yeah, some, you section it off and then you, you put all the terrain and, and condense them all in and that's how much you train you need to use and then you just spread it all out that's a bit ridiculous yeah and then you end up you know you, i take a piece and place it somewhere that's that's bullshit that's what it is so number five would be what mr james know your army rules that is right how much time is wasted in every single game look going uh i'm gonna look that up i don't know yeah you're too busy looking on your phone or digging in your book to find the rules. <laughs> I thought you were going to say digging in your butt. <laughs> <laughs> rules aren't in there. <laughs> yes, digging in your butt <laughs> to get the rules. Um, so actually, that is our next point, number six. And we'll just combine these. Five and six. Five would be know your army rules. Six would ha be have your book ready and not a phone. Because yeah, don't use your phone because then you're just sitting there scrolling through the phone. Then you got to click on it. Then you got to open it up. And zoom it. Zoom, zoom it out. So zoom it in. Yeah. So you can see all the rules when plenty of times there's been people that looked into their phone and I just easily flipped to the page. Yeah. Boom. Right there. There's the rule. Yeah. And as much as everything's going digital nowadays, honestly, I would much rather have a paper book. Yeah, I would still get a book over the digital stuff. Number seven would be if you're in a multiplayer game, whether it's a two on two or a one on two or um, don't be afraid for both of the opponents to roll at you at the same time. Yes. You don't want to have one person just sitting there holding dice. The other person's rolling when you could just sit there and they're going to shoot at something else. Or tax them something else from the other person. They can easily just roll it, and the other person can roll, and just keep an eye on both. Uh, most of the time, people aren't going to lie to you, aren't going to cheat what they've done, what they're to hit or they're to to wound. And if they do lie, then screw them. Yeah, it's, screw them. Punch them in the face. You don't want to uh, light them on fire. Yeah. Um. But it's true though, because usually, you know, when two players are on the same side of the board. They generally deploy like one guy on his half of the board. I, we don't have to do that, but we always do for some reason. Yeah, nobody um, hardly ever mixes up between the two. Yeah, it's not like, I guess because you're in such close proximity, you'd be like Greco-Roman wrestling your partner trying to reach <laughs> yeah. for your models. And um, so generally, if you if you have two opponents attacking you, most of the time they're not going to be shooting at the same unit, and it's really not going to matter if they shoot at the same time. Correct. But there's another point to be made about multiplayer, and what would that be? That would be, don't wait for your teammate to roll everything. Uh, nine times out of ten, your opponent is not going to be shooting at the same thing, like we said. Not going to be shooting at the same thing that you are. So you can easily roll while they're rolling. Roll your two hits while they're rolling their two hits. Roll your two wounds while they're rolling their two wounds. Or roll your two hits while they're rolling their two wounds. It doesn't really matter. Well, how many times have we actually skipped stages? Like, if you're a pure melee army and I'm shooting, and the two, you know, your melee targets and my shooting targets are on opposite sides of the board, how many times have you just started charging and... Yeah, uh, if it's not consequential, when you're far, the other guy's on the far side of the board, it has no meaning between your shooting and your assaulting, it's fine to just go ahead and do it at the same time. And just ask your opponent, but I mean, everyone's fine with it. Yeah, most people are. You, 
there's some people out there that's <laughs> not so much. Um, number nine on our list of ten things to cut down your game time would be pay attention slash don't wander. Yes, make sure you're at the board, ready to go, got your dice in hand, ready to roll when your opponent is shooting at you, assaulting you, d does wounds to you. Make sure you're right there taking a look. Ready to save, too. Ready to save. I mean, because honestly, how many times like I get distracted in our games, and you're like, oh, four wounds, and I'm like, oh, what was that from? What's the AP? Yeah. What? I mean, who are who's you shooting? Do who's doing what? <laughs> yeah. Where am I? <laughs> exactly. Um, so definitely make sure we have a particular friend that just loves to wander on his turn. Yeah. He just starts walking the, the room, talking to people. And um, so the final one, number 10, would be what? Put away the casualties as they die. So when they when you're removing models, have that box ready, have that case ready. So throw them in there when they're dead so that when you're done the game, you can easily just go home. Yep. Light your table on fire. Light your table. Don't hang around to talk to anybody. No, Just this go home. This is not about friends. No. Not about friendship. Warhammer is never about friendship. These people are beneath your contempt. Yes. So that was our list of 10 ways to cut down on your time and uh, speed up your Warhammer game. Let's get brutal. And we're back with another edition of... Let's get brutal with the Pimpcron, and I am the Pimpcron. We are discussing my free rules, use your own models, RPG light skirmish war game that I have lovingly crafted by myself, and it is a pretty awesome game where you get to make the stats of your own models and use your own models, and it's completely supported by the game. So each episode of the Pimpcron podcast, we will explore a little bit of the lore behind brutality skirmish war game. So if you've been following along, um, I'm not going to recap the whole life and death cycle and all that. That's in previous episodes. So we're just going to get into some of the aspects of what is in this realm over the millennia of her plucking things from different um, dimensions. Machines is something I want to talk about. Sometimes when a person is taken from their dimension, they bring with them technology that was nearby. Um, at times, entire vehicles can even be brought here, um, seemingly by accident, but who knows. Um, you would think a vehicle is really cool to have in this realm, but with no forms of fuel, no replacement parts, and serving as a huge target for all people who see it, they are quickly deserted. So um, scavengers strip new technology within hours, and they use it to their own ends. So if you you know, teleport here with a motorcycle, you're probably not going to keep that motorcycle very long before someone kills you and steals it from you. Um, that's usually a status symbol for a lot of like uh, war band leaders and things. Um, there have been a few cases of particularly nasty characters having the power and resources to seize and maintain a vehicle, but almost unerringly, it is the powerful leader of a warband, or the trusted liege of one who rides it. The Golgoths are pretty interesting. So, the Golgoths are among the countless um, beasts that wander the Aether Realm, and... Um, uh, they are these these lumbering giants, and uh, they they range in height, but oftentimes they're large enough to wade through a uh, a forest at only knee deep. So I mean, you could guess at how far that is. Um, a normal forest, you gotta say, is thirty or forty feet high, and um, they're just knee deep. So these things are massive. They're like a hundred feet tall plus, and um, 
they they seem to just wander aimlessly through the lands with seemingly no goal or plan. Um, noise and fire appear to draw them from location to location, and it isn't too uncommon for a large battle to suddenly become a panicked scattering as a Golgoth stomps through, um, just because they get attracted by that. Um, they appear to be some sort of mammal due to the patches of fur that range from uh, grays to browns to black. Um, some people have even seen them up close and claim that they also feature large calloused areas of dry, thick skin as well. Golgoths only make a vocal sound near other of their kind, which sounds much like a whistle, and it can be deafening if you're close nearby. Um, although, other than that, they don't actually talk. Um, even as they appear to communicate with each other, they are solitary creatures and have never been seen eating anything, which is strange. Um, they have a mouth, but they don't eat. No one's ever seen them eat. And, um... Uh, they're less of a creature and more of a force of nature. Many times, um, cunning generals have made good use of a nearby Golgoth by luring them into battle at key moments. And the most famous battle is where this tactic was, um, used. Um, it was the, uh, breach at Greyhold Pass. And it was said that the legendary crime boss, Efrent, even has a pet Golgoth named Thom. Now, there's a ton of you know, um, misdirections and um, rumors and things like that in this realm, so who's to say? Um, now, maps are not easy to come by in this realm either, because while there are towns and there are some civilizations and things, um, it's very hard to maintain technology. So there is one handwritten map of this continent and the surrounding area, and it was it's called the Felix Map. And roughly 350 years old, and drawn by dozens of different hands, this is the only known map of the Aether Realm. There are only a few copies in existence, and the lands of this dimension are constantly changing. And it has been said that it was originally drawn by a great artist named Felix, who was one of the first people trapped here, and named many of these regions himself. The map has changed hands thousands of times, and nobody's sure exactly what happened to Felix. But this is called the Felix Map, and you can find that on page 6 of my basic rulebook, which is free, and you can get that at the um, download portion in my um, show notes. And I will come back next week with a little bit more about brutality. Thanks for listening.